broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Woodstock, Georgia, it's time for Cherokee Business Radio. Now, here's your host. Happy Friday, everybody. It's Gary coming to you live from the Innovation Spot in downtown Woodstock. Uh, today's show is brought to you by our friends at Specialty Building Tables building communities, and rebuilding lives. Please visit them at www.specialt.net. Um, today's guest is Christy Simons with Atlanta Angels. Christy, thanks for being on the show. Hi, thank you so much. Uh, Christy, why don't you tell our, our, our listeners uh, a little bit about you and what you do? Sure. Yeah. So I'm the executive director of Atlanta Angels and actually with a Um, amazing group of women launched this chapter. We walk alongside children, youth, and families in the foster care community through intentional giving, relationship building, and mentorship. Um, So I'm an adoptive mom myself out of the foster system and, and really know what it's like and some of the difficulties of walking through that system. And so we come alongside and and walk with families and children to really change the experience of foster care, um, offer that support so that, that they can kind of make it because it's, it's really hard. Um, so we, we have a couple of programs that do that. So, uh, there is a distinct difference I'm assuming between, um, adoption and foster. Yeah. I mean, oftentimes fostering leads to adoption, certainly, but with fostering, um, a child is removed from their home due to abuse or neglect and they're placed with foster parents. And, and so, you know, as soon as a child enters care, they've experienced at least two traumas, whatever trauma led to the removal of their home and then the actual removal from their home mm-hmm. um, and being placed with strangers. Right. And right. so it leads to a lot of difficulties. There can be, you know, behavioral problems and, and, um, things that foster parents maybe weren't expecting. And, and what that means is that over 50% of foster families will end up closing their homes in the first six months to a year. Wow. And every time they close their home, that leads to a move for the children, right? Which right. is a new trauma. And it actually sets them back four to six months developmentally. And so what we do is we come in and we walk alongside them. We match a volunteer a group of volunteers through what's called our Love Box program to walk with the foster family Um, on a monthly basis for at least a year long commitment. We are relational. We're never just transactional. And so um, we spend that time getting to know the families, getting to know every member of the family and we support the entire family. So we come in, we match our our volunteer and come from what's called a TBRI or trust-based relational intervention model um, where we seek to heal that trauma those children have experienced through healthy and consistent relationships. And so our love box group will walk with that family showing up monthly with um, the physical love box. And Mm -hmm. so that's financial support, right? It's practical, intentional gifts, um, whatever that specific family needs that specific month. So it's it's very tailored to um, that family. But then also, and more importantly, the relational piece. So it's emotional and social support. Um, It's someone who understands what it's like as a foster parent, right? It's not the child comes home and then, and then kind of, you know, you, you set up the meal train and, and they're good after two weeks and they're going to court dates. They're going to doctor's visits. They're, they're supporting those children's behaviorally. They're, um, you know, 
reorienting in their home. We, we support biological and adopted children that are in the home as well, because truly the entire family is impacted by foster care. Um, and so we don't kind of treat them different or, or just single out the children in foster care, but we really walk along and support the entire family. You know, um, my wife works at a high school. She works in counseling. And this is a great example. And that's why I'm so excited for you to be on the show, because I ask the questions that people don't want to ask. You know, they're embarrassed. And and then this is a one way conversation. So they have to listen. Right. But um, I just returned uh, from Florida on business. But the Saturday prior to that, my wife and I were working with three high schoolers that are homeless in East Cobb. Mm hmm. They were driving a car that was basically a junk salvage car, a 19-year-old, a 17-year-old, and a 20-year-old. They were involved in a very serious accident. One of the occupants went to the hospital, and they had all their stuff on the side of the road that didn't get towed away with the car. So we're outside at 10 o'clock at night in Austell with a flashlight, helping them get all their things off the side of the road. And being a parent, Myself, I have three children. Um, my heart bleeds for them. Mm-hmm. That's their house that's now mm-hmm. gone. Tell us more about aging out. I learned it, but let's talk about yeah. that. Yeah. So what aging out of foster care means, we use that term a lot, but it means that um, a youth was never adopted um, or reunified with their birth parents. And so when they turn 18, um, you know, they're, they're, they're basically on their own. They've aged out of foster care. So they remained in the foster care system um, until they they turned age 18. Um, and those outcomes, they're, frankly, they're bleak. They're yeah. shocking. Um, you know, you, you mentioned these, these homeless youth, and that's pretty um, typical. 20% or more of youth who age out of foster care will be homeless immediately upon aging out. Um, mm-hmm. And that just rises, you know, after. So, Right now, 50% of our homeless population spent time in foster care. Um, and beyond homelessness, over 75% of our prison population spent time in foster care. Over 85% of sex trafficked individuals spent time in foster care. Mm-hmm. Um, only 3% of those who age out will make it to college despite having tuition to a state school. Wow. That's so bleak. It's, it's so, bleak. so, you know, my wife and I were talking about it and we said, what do we do? What do we do for these, these young folks? I mean, you know, we were able to put them up in a hotel for a couple of nights and they're at an apartment with somebody they don't know. And now they can't get to work because they have no car, they have no money. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we're still in a pandemic. Let's talk about that. How has the pandemic affected what you do? Yeah. So, um, it, it's, it's impacted the whole thing because we launched our chapter last January, 2021, and then hit COVID. So we've, we've literally been impacted since we launched. Um, we are here. We served over 200, um, children and youth, uh, last year, despite it being our first year. But for those, you know, those, those outcomes are bleak, but we don't end there. Right. Right. Um, there is so much hope in foster care and our programs truly do make a difference. And, you know, over time, they're going to create societal change, all those outcomes that I mentioned, right? As we're supporting these youth through foster care and changing the experience um, and then helping them age out, it's it's really going to make the societal and then generational change, mm-hmm. um, which is just really exciting. And so our, I've talked a little bit about our Love Box program. Our other main program is called Dare to Dream, and that's actually aimed at youth who are um, at risk of aging out of foster care. 
And so with Dare to Dream, we match a youth at risk or who have aged out of foster care ages 15 to 21 for our traditional Dare to Dream, 11 to 14 for um, Dare to Dream Junior. We match them with a healthy adult for one-on-one mentoring um, to build that healthy relationship. But we also provide a framework of 10 milestones that they walk through with them. And those are those really crucial life skills that we take for granted because our parents taught us those. Right. 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 Um, So it's things like opening their bank account, um, learning how to budget, getting their driver's license, um, securing living arrangements upon aging out, going on college visits. You know, imagine having someone to take you on the college visit and really learn and walk through the application process. And so we help them walk through all those steps. Ultimately, we want them to graduate from high school. Right now, the graduation rate for um, youth in foster care is less than 50%. So we want them to graduate from um, high school and then secure postgraduate plans, which are either going to college, trade school, or um, military. And really set them up to be employed, to have living arrangements, to not be homeless, right? And and change some of those long-term outcomes. So there's so much hope, um, but we need, you know, we need to take responsibility and say, there are these youth who are help. aging out, right? And and maybe I'm not called to foster or adopt, and, and we don't believe that everyone is. Um, that is a special calling to be a home that, that is fostering or who is adopting, but that doesn't mean you can't make a difference in the lives of those who are experiencing foster care. So if somebody wanted to be a mentor and that youth is homeless, do they meet at Starbucks? Do they do it over the phone? Yeah. They may yeah. not have a cell phone. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So they could do it. Any, I mean, it could be Zoom. Right. And that's the pandemic has meant some some of this mentoring and, and relational pieces happening on Zoom. But um, when it can happen in person, it's it's anywhere. It's in their home or yeah, it's at Starbucks. It's going out to eat. It's it's doing activities with them. Right. Because the first piece of mentoring, I mean, no 18 year old foster care otherwise is going to want an adult to come in and be like, here's what you need to do. Right. Right. So it really starts with building that relationship. And, and I mentioned those consistent, healthy relationships. And that's, what's so important with our dare to dream mentorship program. The, um, they commit to, like I said, a year and bi-weekly. So every other week and showing up every other week at the time you say you're going to show up, all those things are so important, right? So having a schedule saying every Tuesday at five, whatever it is, they have been disappointed in their lives that we can be sure of. You just said it. I'm thinking they've been disappointed over and over. And for us to say, Oh, I'm running five minutes late. Mm -hmm. The first perception becomes reality. Here we go again. Somebody's not being truthful with me. Do they care? You know, when we were on the side of the road, picking up their, their things from that accident site, number one, the, the, um, not to digress on this specific, but it's really, it really, really got to me. Um, this poor kid fell asleep at the wheel. He was so exhausted, Mm. hit a concrete barrier, could have gotten killed. He was injured and didn't go to the hospital as we're loading his possessions in our vehicle at 1030 at night in the dark, he was struggling and I helped him. So, um, I'm just so glad you're on the show to talk about this. So, and I might be a little bit everywhere cause it's not my world, but it's becoming my world. As we were picking things up, there was like a half eaten box of uh, cereal and they were like, we need to take that. Meanwhile, my kids are asleep in a warm bed in East Cobb wondering what's for breakfast. Yep. And so, you know, I think like my children, I want them to get more involved too. I think they can help younger kids connect. I can't connect with a 10 year old. I don't know how to use Instagram. I might post a picture, but you know, you need to connect with them and then the trust factor. So why don't we talk about 
If somebody's out there thinking they'd like to help and be a foster parent, what are some things they need to think about before they really, because it's easy to just jump in things and then you kind of say, wow, it's a little more than I could chew. What should they be thinking about before they make those type of decisions? To be a foster parent or to be a volunteer with our program? Uh, both, but let's okay. start with being a foster parent because okay. uh, I was in that boat and we were fortunate to have Max, my son. But before that, my wife said, what about adoption? <laughs> Again, I use this term all the time, perceptions, reality. I go, I don't know what we're getting into. Watch too much TV. Could be a great kid. And we don't know the backstory. I don't think anybody wakes up wanting to have a horrible life. Sure. It happens. Sure. So. If, if somebody thinks they might want to be a foster parent, what should they be thinking about before they even go down that path? Well, you know, like I said, I think that it's really a special calling. And so the desire to, to open up your home, I think, um, you know, be prepared for the unexpected, I would say, is the biggest thing with fostering. Um, you know, it's getting calls in the middle of the night and say, we, we've got this child who just entered care. Are you ready to, you know, to open your home to them? Um, it's going to the hospital and picking up the children. Um, oftentimes it's sibling sets. And of course, when, when you can keep siblings together, that's huge. Mm -hmm. Um, many people who maybe want to adopt go the foster care route. Um, you know, oftentimes it's not babies. So the highest need is, is older children, um, particularly teens. And so being able to open up your home uh, again, these children and youth have all experienced lots of trauma. And so it's, it's patience, it's, you know, um, acclimation, it's, it's getting them used to your home. It's really building that trust. It's not going to be inherent. Um, and then it's, it's recognizing that you're going to need a lot of support. You know, I, I walked through the foster system. Um, we adopted it. I can't say anything about it was easy. It was all worth it. My daughter is incredible. Um, she's, she's just the best, but, um, nothing about walking through kind of the actual system or the process was, was easy. It was, it was really difficult and we had really great support, but I vividly remember a court date where, um, me, my husband, our, our, both of our parents, aunts, I mean, we were all there. Um, we were taking up two rows and the judge actually asked us to stand. He said, everyone, they, everyone who's here um, as a family or for support for Riley, will you stand up? Wow. Um, and he said, this is not the case for most children who come through my courtroom. You know, most children don't have two rows of family members. They are supporting them. Um, and so, you know, while I'm so glad that was always the case for Riley, she has been loved and, and spoiled from the beginning, but that is not the case for most children in care. They don't have a bunch of people come to the, the courtroom for them. You know, a, a heartbreaking story of one of our board members where she was at court and, and her child in foster care just was looking out the window the whole time waiting for his mom to come. Um, and so, you know, it's an incredible opportunity to be that consistent, trusting adult and people to really change the lives. But um, it's also really difficult. And so it's just recognizing that you're going to need that support. And that's what that's what we do in Atlanta Angels, right, is we wrap that community around them so that that they can do it um, for people who maybe don't have that built in support system like my husband and I did. And that was what really propelled me to want to start this was um, kind of seeing what it was like and knowing that we could not have done this without our church family, without our our, our family. It takes it takes a village. Absolutely. Um, And we were 
actually going to a Braves game is one of our, our favorite things to do. Obviously, we didn't get to do it last year. and We're excited for them to come back. But um, my daughter two years ago was four years old and um, she could literally tell you the lineup. I mean, she knew she knew the Braves players by their stance. It was crazy. It was hilarious. But she uh-huh. absolutely loved going to Braves games. And we would go and, you know, she'd get like Dippin' Dots and hot dogs and all the things every time. It's just one which, of our. Which every child should be able to experience every child. Yeah, exactly. And I, we were literally, we were going one day and, um, I was just kind of taking a minute to say like, I'm so grateful. Like this is, these are going to be such fun memories for my daughter. You know, I love that we get to do this together as a family. Um, and then kind of, you know, took a step back and said, there are over 5,000 children in foster care in the Atlanta area. And most children's childhood is not filled with these positive, happy, fun experiences and memories. They're filled with pain and trauma. Um, and I want to change that. And so that's what, what really started um, the desire to, to do something. I think what you're doing is absolutely phenomenal. I definitely want to be more involved. Um, when you talk about um, it, the Atlanta area, we moved here four years ago from South Florida, and I learned what Atlanta Metro means. So I was freaked out uh, about how much bigger and larger it was. And then Fulton County is in the perimeter, but goes up to like Johns Creek or something like that. So when you say the Atlanta area, do you mean Atlanta Metro, everything from Peachtree City to coming Georgia or? Yep. Yep. Um, We have served across 10 counties um, from Villa Rica to McDonough, from Jasper to Conyers um, and kind of really everywhere in between. Um, We have several families in in Cherokee County and um, Cherokee County, I mentioned, is really special to my heart in terms of getting involved in the in the foster care community here um, because that's the county that we adopted through. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Metro Atlanta area for us is uh, ten counties wide so so no far. So um, it is. It's it's a big area. Have you seen a spike in new children entering foster care as a result of COVID? You know, thinking it through, there's a lot of folks still out of work. <clears throat> And unfortunately, money is kind of important. And one would think, you know, how could you make that decision, whether whatever decision it might be? So have you seen an uptick in kids entering foster care, a direct correlation to um, the virus or is it a direct connection to just their environment they're coming from? So what we have seen absolutely is an increase in the needs of those in the foster care community. Um, you know, while we're offering this, the support and, you know, going back to the love box, the, what kind of goes in the physical love box, it's, it's different every month, but can be anywhere from groceries to household items to like paying for a sports entry fee for one of the children in care or, you know, doing a date night for the parents. So, so it can really be anything, but what we've seen is an increase in the kind of basic essential needs. So families Mm -hmm. needing the groceries, you know, certainly last April, like toilet paper was was gold in those boxes. Right. Yeah. Um, but Stone, she has some extra rolls if you need some, (laughs) not anymore. We, we gave them all the foster families, but we, um, you know, and at Christmas time, it was families needing winter clothes and, and just, you know, to, to have any Christmas presents under the tree, um, was what we were able to do. And so, the basic needs absolutely are rising um, and the ability of foster families to, to, you know, keep their homes open is, is decreasing. And so we're seeing these needs rise um, where we have not seen a huge increase in the amount of children entering care. Um, 
but I think that it, you know, a lot of things have been virtual. And so home visits aren't happening. Things mm-hmm. we, we, we aren't necessarily, I don't think we're seeing the impacts yet. Cause you're not physically there with your eyeballs. It's online. It's virtual. Yep. Yep. Right, so, right. so, um, you know, what, what may have been leading to home removals previously, maybe are getting missed. I, I think we're just not seeing quite yet the, the impact in terms of children entering care at much higher rates. Mm-hmm. Um, but the needs within the foster care community, absolutely. It's been disproportionate, um, throughout COVID. And so we're, the need for support is, is only increasing. So just when things are getting interesting, right. Um, let's talk about children that have special needs. That's a whole different ball of wax. I mean, I have a daughter with sensory issues. I just told a good friend of mine down in Tampa. He had no idea what it was when I started talking about bubble tubes and sensory uh, sticks and he had no clue. And I said, she's not the only one. So what are you doing to help those kids? That's a, that's a different thing. It's a big thing. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I've, I've mentioned trauma a few times and, um, the, you know, experience of trauma actually is correlated with a lot of different outcomes. And, um, there's something called ACEs, which are adverse childhood experiences. And one of the largest studies ever conducted was on the impact of ACEs kind of long-term. Um, and it, it has a biological, a physical effect. Um, one, um, not, not good, interesting, but kind of interesting correlation that maybe people wouldn't think is that um, having experienced four or more ACEs and an ACE, an adverse childhood experience, those are things like um, a parent being in jail, having been abused, the threat of abuse, being neglected, you know, those types of things. So four or more, that's a lot. Um, and children in foster care will have experienced four or more at much higher rates than children outside of foster care. But having experienced four or more makes you 200% more likely to have an autoimmune disease. Wow. So we may not, you know, think about the the connection between not only, of course, mental illness is going to be higher and, and the kind of impacts of trauma we know, but also, um, you know, just physical aspects. So, uh, to go back to special needs, yeah, of course, the, those are going to be higher within this community. And in part, that sometimes is related to trauma and, and just otherwise, because we see that in the community in general, right? Um, mm-hmm. But so there are, there are some great organizations who train foster parents and foster families to be homes for specifically special needs children or high medical needs, things like that. Um, but we, you know, we offer additional support. I mean, we... Um, beyond our love boxes and dare to dream, we'll, we'll meet emergent needs when we can and, and when they arise. So like last summer, we had a family with a special needs um, child with um, who had autism in their home who needed a crash pad and could not get it paid for. And, and so we said, you know, we'll get it. And, and we covered it for him. And so just right. even providing some of those essentials. I mean, um, for people out there that don't know, the weighted blanket has yep. been a godsend for us. Yep. It calms I mean, it calms me down. I sleep mm-hmm. very well with it, but uh, that's a big deal. Um, there is a correlation, in my opinion, of homelessness, foster care, trauma. Um, there's an organization uh, called Must Ministries in in Marietta that I was doing some work with pretty recently. They're moving into new headquarters, and we were consumed with um, office furniture. And I said, "Well, what about the, the child that comes in in dis- distress, and you know their life's turned upside down? And oh, by the way, he's got autism." or she has autism or whatever the special need is. So we put in some bubble tubes mm. and, uh, and then it went from 
all the office chairs and file cabinets to what's this bubble tube? Tell me more. And that's when you engage with an occupational therapist. Mm -hmm. When you talk about uh, folks that are, that have like a home to take these children in again, do they need to have a really large house with 25 rooms? (laughs) I mean, you know, how do you, who, who can do that? I mean, yeah, no, I definitely don't need 25. Or 10, I mean, I have three. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, you know, so, um, and so foster parents, they would need to become licensed. And so there's a period of, um, applying, being interviewed, they'll go through training. It's, um, at least six sessions of training to become licensed foster parents. There are certainly home inspections, Um, there does need to be enough room to have children who come into care, right? So there are regulations around like having, um, opposite sex children in the same room. So Mm -hmm. that they potentially need a separate room for, for children in care and things like that. Um, size of the house will impact how many children, right? So you maybe can't take in a, a sibling set of five or something like that, um, but it, no, I mean, you know, it just takes people who, who have the heart, who have the, the ability, the um, means. the means. Yep. And then, um, in terms of volunteers, people who support, it also doesn't take any extra training. We will background check. We will train all of our volunteers. Um, we offer regular lunch and learns to offer additional educational opportunities on some of those, maybe special topics like, you know, serving special needs, things like that. But but we train um, so that our volunteers also are, are well acquainted with kind of what it's like to walk through the foster care um, community and, and how to support. Um, so it doesn't take any special special education or knowledge or anything like that. So when you train, where do you where do they go for training? So they meet with our director of programs, Brianna. Um, she'll do it either again via Zoom or <laughs> in person. So you are um, but doing a little bit of both. We're doing both. Yep. Um, and in large part, it's based on, you know, um, comfort level of our, our volunteers, our families, whether we're able to, to get somewhere safe and socially distant and, and things like that. But um, we we individually train every single one of our volunteers. Um, we do needs assessment with our families. We very intentionally match to make sure that the volunteer is going to be a good fit with that family. Um, we get them together to do a needs assessment to say, you know, what are some of the, what are some of the strengths of the foster family? And then where are gaps that we can fill? Um, and then we, we train our, um, live box leaders, our, uh, dare to dream mentors. Um, and then they, they kind of do that work, that relational piece with the families. So as you're driving around and printing brochures, there's cost involved. Are you a nonprofit? We, yep, we are a nonprofit. Absolutely. Yep. We're a 501c3 nonprofit. We, um, uh, fully function on donations and sponsors. Yep. So we. So how can we help you? I mean, do you have a car wash, uh, a GoFundMe? <laughs> I mean, how can people help? Well, we have a website, um, okay. AtlantaAngels.org. Um, there's a donate now button right at the top. That would be a huge help. We do have a golf tournament coming up and, um, you know, because of COVID our first fundraiser actually, and I was so excited about this because, um, you know, Braves game was <laughs> what kind of first plane of the desire. Our first fundraiser was going to be a Braves game. And then of course they closed down and we had several other fundraisers planned after that last year. And, and all of them were, you know, canceled because mm-hmm. of COVID. And so we pivoted, we were virtual. Um, we've had a really incredible, uh, community of support around us this past year who have volunteered, who have given, 
Um, we're here. We've launched our programs. We've served a lot, but we want to expand. And, you know, we're in the business of, of building relationships. And to do that, we need case managers. And so our impact can only grow as much as the case managers we can bring on. So I think I've mentioned there's over 5,000 children in the metro Atlanta area in foster care at any given time. Our, wow. you know, long-term vision is that each one of them is served by our programs. Mm. Um, but for every 30 families we serve, we need a case manager. And so that's kind of, you know, our, our scalability um, is based on that sustainability. So May is actually Foster Care Awareness Month. We're going to be doing kind of lots of things to spread the word um, in May. But we've got our um, first golf tournament will be at Bears Best on May 15th. So um, businesses who want to sponsor would be huge. Players who want to come out and play. We're going to have a silent auction contest. It's going to be a really um, fun day. I will be there because we've all been <laughs> pent up for a year yeah, come on. and hopefully somebody saved their <laughs> stimulus money and Hey, take a little bit of that stimulus money and help folks like you out because we are blessed if we're not in that situation. So it, just like business radio X, we're all about giving. We're all about helping, getting the word out, being a nonprofit. Something tells me you don't have a $10 million marketing budget. So, <laughs> you know, if I can get 11 alive here, which I've actually did uh, long story, real short, a friend of mine was devastated in a fire in Northern California in paradise, lost everything. She couldn't breathe. Cause the smoke in the air was kind of scary. If we all remember that. I sent her a plane ticket. She came out and stayed with us for three months. And then uh, all of a sudden, News Channel 11 shows up and she's freaking out. And I go, yeah, I called the news and they're going to help you raise some money. So that's what we do. Yeah. We help people out. So at the end, we'll, we'll kind of cover that. Um, we talked about the events that are going on um, and then obviously where you're located in your mission. So I'm just uh, there's I could talk to you for hours <laughs> and I will offline. But um, why don't we just circle back to your website, how people can get in touch with you Um Yep. So our website is atlantaangels.org. Um, our email address is info at atlantaangels.org. You can get in touch with us um, either of those places. If you're interested in volunteering, um, you can apply online through our website to volunteer. And next month, we've got some really fun things for We're doing a spring fling for foster families. Um, so another, you know, if you know any foster families or you are a foster family, you can refer yourself or you can refer your friends to our programs to be love box recipients. You know, it's kind of a goofy example. I'm a down to earth kind of guy. So I apologize if I shouldn't say this, but I don't think it's bad. I have heard a lot of young people talk about the vaccine, right? So I'll use one of our nieces. They're in their early twenties. They just finished college and they don't want to get the vaccine. And I go, I'm just curious the why. And they go, well, someday I want to have a family and I don't want a problem. So for those folks out there that are hesitant, they should adopt or f start with foster and then adopt, you know, they could. it's kind of a goofy analogy, but, but you know what I mean? Like there's so many great kids. And to your point, everybody wants the shiny new baby, but what about the 14 year old mm -hmm. who's awesome and just was dealt a bad deck yep. happens. And, you know, and we live in a beautiful place, North Georgia. I've only been here four years. I love it. I came from the beach in South Florida, but, um, you know, I'll give you an example too. I was going to Publix one day during the Christmas holiday season last year, and there was a mom out there with three small kids. It was freezing. I see those people all the time, folks in those situations. And so I go in to buy my kale salad and my prescription, you know, that I take for granted. I went in there and tried to get her some help. Publix basically said they couldn't help me. And I understand why. So I said, give me a, 
give me a gift card. I'm going to help somebody out there. They're, they're not standing out there for fun. And I know this is more homelessness than foster, but it kind of ties in, I think. And so I got to look for her and she's gone. And she was in a vehicle. Somebody had picked her up and was putting her in a hotel. So I handed her the card and she was crying and she was embarrassed. And I said, stop. 90% of these cars that you see in this parking lot are two paychecks away from being right next to you. So don't beat yourself up. Trust me, this is all stuff. And there's a higher purpose, whatever that may be, there's a higher purpose. So I think through the pandemic, a lot of us have really kind of regrouped and said, you know, what's really important is that the new handbag or getting HBO on my subscription, is that really that important? Um, Foster is huge. Yeah, it is. And it, it, you know, to your point, it's right here in Cobb County. There's over 500 children. You know, you've mentioned East Cobb and and that's where you found there's over 500 children in care in Cobb County. Exactly. and, and so, you know, it's not, it's not something out there. And, and I think that, you know, imagine if it was your child, exactly. Imagine if it was your child entering care. And, you know, what we say is we believe every child deserves a healthy adult who knows the colors, of their eyes and the passions of their heart. Oh, I love that. And, you know, we can give them a bag. We can give them a blanket. I came across an article a foster mom had written recently that said like, we don't need more blankets for some reason they've got just oodles of blankets and she's like I don't know I guess people think our our children who are in our care are cold but we don't need more blankets you know she she said what we rude but it's true (laughs) no she said what we need are somebodies she said we need somebodies people who are going to come in and and ask my kids foster or biological how they are and then stop to hear the answer she said we need people who bring snacks but then stay and eat it with us. And that's, right. we're in the business of the somebodies, yes. right? We're about their relationship. It's not about, here's the thing. It's about knowing their heart. Wow. You know, it's, I think a, a really kind of common thing we know is that children, a lot of children in foster care move with trash bags, with their things in trash bags, which yes. it, it's heartbreaking. Yes. yes. Do we give them suitcases and duffel bags? That's great. But at the end of the day, I can move with my stuff in a trash bag. I'm fine. Right. Because it's not really about the duffel bag or the trash bag. It's about the value. And so we really want to pour into them and and build those relationships. And so even if you don't have the financial capacity, you can be that healthy adult. You can pour into them, right? Showing that you care, kind of looping back around to the beginning. Children spell love, T-I-M-E. It's pouring wow. that time and, and showing them that there's someone who loves them, who, who knows them, that they're valued, right? Um, so and- giving them 25 cans of green beans, <laughs> you know, because we talk about can drives and all mm-hmm. that. And there's a show, I don't know if you've ever listened or, or seen it, Stone. It's called uh, Adam Ruins Everything. Familiar with that? <laughs> yeah. I've, so I've he heard- de- debunks all the things that we thought were right, mm-hmm. that are wrong. And he goes, we don't need 10,000 more cans of green beans. Thank you so much, but we need money. Yeah. But in this case, you're saying, yes, that would be the, 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 the gravy. We just need you to be in the moment physically and work with these, these, these youth be there. Yeah. Yeah. It's both, you know, I mean, as an organization donations, absolutely. Like if if that's what you can do financial, we need it. Um, But we, in terms of volunteering, we need the, we need the people who want to form the relationships, Mm -hmm. um, who can pour into them and, and going back to, like I said, what if it was your kid? Right. Right. I would want someone who um, is going to get to know them. And, and, you know, 
I was saying before the show started, my daughter loves soccer. Like I want someone who knows that she loves soccer. Right. Yes. Um, and so it's, it's really pouring in and building those relationships with, with each member of the foster family, supporting the the parents and, and loving on them and, um, the adoptive and biological siblings, like I said, in every single love box, we encourage a handwritten note to every single member of the family. Wow. Um, and, and there's a great story that I love of, a a family who did bring in teenagers, um, to their home and uh, a girl who had some of those handwritten notes taped to her mirror and her mom finally asked her about them. And she said, you know what? I love my new sisters. Like I, I love that, you know, I, we've, we've brought them into the home, but some days it's really hard. And on the hard days reading this helps. And wow. so, you know, it can be small, but it's about that relationship. It's about having those people who know and care and, and love and support. I think what you're doing is phenomenal. I can't thank you enough for being here. I know I broke script, but real quick, let's remind folks how to get in touch with you. Yep. AtlantaAngels.org. Info at AtlantaAngels.org. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Have a great weekend. Thank you. Thank you everybody for listening and we'll see you next week. (laughs) 